0: This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you like underground music, movies, and more, go to PortlandDistro.com for licensed merch, vinyl, CDs, and more. Plug in the discount code 10OFF, T-E-N-O-F-F, for a 10% discount at PortlandDistro.com. Welcome to this week's episode of the Everything Went Black podcast. My good friend Paul Aloisio from Restless Spirit joins us again this week. This is his return. We recently discussed their uh, forthcoming LP, and uh, hopefully in the next couple weeks, there'll be some interesting news about record release shows and things of that nature. This time around, Paul and I talk about vampire movies. Uh, For me, I was motivated by the recent release of The uh, Last Voyage of the Demeter, which um, covers the travel of Dracula across the sea. So we um, expanded, we talked a little bit about the two Nosferatu films, the original, and the 1979 Werner Herzog remake. Of sorts of that particular film. After you listen to this, be sure to check out the other horsemen of the podcasting apocalypse. We have Brandon Legions, Horror wolf six six six, Into the Necrosphere, brought to you weekly by Jackie Smith. Of course, we have Everything Went Black. I come back with Necromaniacs along with Mike Scandato and Jeff Kashied. We have Break the Apocalypse. With mike's brother john draper Soul knox brought to you by carl hikara and i'd like to welcome aboard our newest member this is cheyenne's podcast iblis manifestations so be sure to check everyone out if you want to support the show please do so over on patreon for as little as one dollar a month you can support the show get access to bonus material for $5 a month you get early access to the regular stream episodes for $25 a month you can become a sponsor promote your business your band whatever it is and you get a monthly ad read similar to what we do with Portland distro of course uh, follow us um, over on Instagram and Facebook Uh, I guess technically there's an X account but we don't really um, engage in that too often. As well as threads, which I guess is auto-posted from Instagram. Don't really directly do anything on those platforms, but follow us anyway. Paul, how's it going, man? Hey, man, how are you? Doing good. It's uh, a weeknight, you know, busy week. And, uh, of course, always make friends to talk to you, man always make time to talk to you.
1: Yeah, dude, it's always a good time.
0: So how's things uh, going with the, uh, the new record record sounds great. I've been hearing a lot of great feedback about it. How's how's, uh, how's it going on your end? Pretty good. I mean,
1: we were, uh, we we're hoping for good feedback and we've pretty much been getting it. Uh, people are really into the, uh, the front and, um, we're gonna release another single this month and then one more next month and then the full album. So yeah, I mean
0: feedback has been great. Everything it's
1: stations and everything. So
0: yeah. It's always good. Well, you know, I, I appreciate the um you sharing the entire record with me and uh, you know it's been it's been awesome. Hell yeah. People have actually contacted me. Because of, um, yeah, I've been talking about you guys. I know that we did those dates together. Uh, so several people have hit me up directly about how they finally just checked you guys out and they're stoked. So, yeah, I'm really excited. Looking forward to the release of a new album. Oh, dude, that's great to hear.
1: Yeah, it's like when we, when we released um, the last one, uh, we really hadn't done anything in a couple of years. And uh, sort of like starting from scratch. So uh past year or two, we've really been hitting it hard and trying our best to get our name out there. And it seems like it's working pretty well, so.
0: Yeah, fuck yeah. Well, this time around, we, we already got all the record business out on the last episode that came out. So we're, we're actually going to just be talking about some cool shit tonight. Uh, all you horror fans know by now that The last voyage of the Demeter was released on uh, last Friday. And um, at the time of the recording of this episode, Friday, that Friday is actually still in the future. So we're doing somewhat of a uh, time slip here, you know, with different realities. So right now is the past for the time that you're listening to this episode. So the movie is not out the current time but i am planning to watch it this weekend do you have any feelings about this movie uh paul
1: um no to be
0: honest no
1: i didn't until you brought it up i
0: completely flew under my radar yeah it's uh i remember seeing previews for this in my you know most recent forays to the uh amc menlo park theater and um Kind of was taken aback. I was like, "Oh, wow! There, are, you know, it's uh, of course the Demeter is the uh, ship that Dracula came over from Transylvania to um, you know, to England. You know what I mean? And that's, I believe it's chapter seven in the um, the Dracula Bram Stoker uh, novel. Okay, so this uh, this movie is about chapter seven of the of the novel. It seems like that's kind of a cool thing you know and then they're not naming it like you know Dracula at sea or you know something stupid like that they're actually making a reference to the uh to the book which I thought was really cool
1: yeah um I mean the first mention of it actually came from uh talked about Doing a podcast about Nosferatu and stuff. And then you're like, oh, it's gonna be timely because of the last voyage of Demeter. And um I was like, Oh, yeah, sick. But then I was like, wait, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I I, lo- I looked it up. I was like, how did
0: this how did this completely like fly under my radar? I feel like it's being overshadowed by that that other movie about the hand. What the hell's that called? Like talk to me or something like that? Talk to me. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's talking about that movie, man. I'm not. I'm not sold on it, dude.
1: No, me neither. I mean, like it's an A24 thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I that's hit or miss for me, but um, I don't know. Like lately, especially with like the record and everything, I see that I really haven't. Like I I hear a lot of people talking about like this movie and that movie, and I'm like, oh, sick. I should check that out. And then I just never do.
0: Yeah, this talk to me thing, it feels uh I feel like uh like it's be it's kind of a work in some ways, you know what I mean? It's like I, I saw the trailer for it, I'm like, okay, so what? There's a fucking hand, uh, you know, a bunch mm-hmm. of kids. What's what's in it for me? You know what I mean? And yeah. uh but the last voyage of the Demeter now, that's something I can really get behind because it relates to what we're about to talk to talk about tonight. You know, fucking vampires, you know, Dracula, like cool shit like that. And that is completely overshadowed by the hand movie. It's kind of a drag, I think.
1: Yeah. Um, isn't Last Voyage, uh, am I wrong or that's a Disney film?
0: I I haven't looked that deeply into it. You know what I mean? All I know is uh, Andre Overdahl is the director, and he did The la- the Autopsy of Jane Doe, which I quite enjoyed.
1: Oh, okay. I'm an idiot. I'm looking at it now. It's <laughs> being released through DreamWorks. Okay, yeah. That, I, I saw D. At, oh, is it not? Oh, okay. Produced by DreamWorks. Distributed by Universal, which makes sense. <laughs> I re- This is how dumb I am. I read Disney at first. I was like, what?
0: no problem but yeah so you know it's kind of cool that movie is coming out this friday and by the time you guys listen to this you'll it'll it'll be out already and most likely i will have seen it by the time you guys listen to this because i'm planning on watching it this weekend with my girlfriend it's gonna be like a one of those dates you know what i mean so-called date and um so yeah but you and I had this concept about doing an episode about the uh, original Nosferatu and the remake, and uh, that's that's primarily what we're going to be talking about tonight.
1: Yeah, I mean, both are two of my favorite of all time. Um, you know, the first I saw, I think I probably talked on the podcast about this, but uh, I got I got a deep collection of like three movies, uh, for Christmas one year for my grandma. And, uh, there was a version of Nosferatu on it. And, uh, I read on the with music by typo negative yeah. and I was like, what? <laughs> and so for anyone that hasn't heard me talk about this before, essentially, obviously typo negative did not do a soundtrack for it. They just, you know, they, took some songs of typos and put it in the movie and it was i think the era that this happened was around october russ okay I think so only songs uh are, you know from that time period uh are on it clearly because <laughs> they can't time travel like we're doing in this podcast yeah but uh a lot of it like uh came, uh came from the first album yeah, obviously very aggressive and hardcore and you know very funny in, in some parts and doesn't really fit but to me whenever I think about Nosferatu like that's the version I have to go back to the typo negative one
0: you know I mean it makes I, sense I, someone would do that you know it, there's like you know Pete, Pete Steele had that vampire vibe going on he's like a some eastern european giant back in you know when he was with us at least
1: yeah and uh it's funny though it was such a coincidence because I, uh, you know at that time well still you know typo negative is one of my favorite bands of all time and i just randomly stumbled upon this dvd like no idea who type negative was <laughs> you know she uh, she bought it for me because uh house on haunted hill was on it and and we had talked about that movie so it w- it was a crazy surprise and I, I, to this day whenever i turn on any other version it just seems off to me
0: without without the typo uh score
1: yeah it's because that's how i first saw the movie and it really clicked with me and i so many times in my life that anytime i i go and you know, watch with like a different score or whatever. You know
0: what I mean? Yeah, totally. And especially uh, Nosferatu being in the public domain, uh, there's like so many different versions of that original film out there too, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, something that I find fascinating and not many people know about this, or maybe they do. And I'm just gatekeeping knowledge, but, um, the movie almost didn't survive. Yeah. Um, and, you know, all the copies were burned and destroyed by Bram Stoker's estate. Yes. But I, I think one survived, and it, and luckily we have this masterpiece of uh, German expression
0: Yeah, I mean, of course, we're talking about the 1922 version of Nosferatu, directed by F.W. Murnau, with the screenplay by Henrik Galeen. And um, for those of you out there who don't know about this, it's uh, based on Dracula by Bram Stoker. However, there's uh, some license taken with the names of the characters to avoid any kind of uh, legal issues, but that really didn't. You help them out at all you know
1: no yeah um, it didn't help them because it was clearly <laughs> the same story Yeah, you know uh, interestingly obviously um, for anyone that's read Dracula and seen the movie the depiction of uh, you know the Dracula character was so drastically different in Bram Stoker's novel you didn't have this you know cara you know the hook nose and the uh you know the bald head and he he i think he had like a a long mustache or something like that
0: yeah count dracula in the novel had a mustache and and i mean even even his depiction of uh you know the the way you visualize it in the novel differs very very much from you know the universal version with uh bella and you know any subsequent version of dracula too yeah i'm not really sure like maybe the gary oldman version in
1: bram stoker's dracula would probably be the closest one that i've seen yeah to the I could, book
0: i could dig that yeah
1: um but I, you know i i'm happy they changed it because i you know obviously any fan of rest of spirit knows how important nosferatu is to our imagery. It's all over everything. We printed it on so many designs, and we don't million.
0: <laughs> and, of course, uh, Dracula, in the original Nosferatu 1922 film, was played by uh, Max Schreck, and the characters came named Count Orlock. So, uh, you know, anyone out there is uh, curious about that fact. Um, and I, I got to be honest with you, Paul, that version that vampire visage. I find that to be the most terrifying of all p- depictions of vampires. Yeah,
1: I I do too. There's a certain magic to it that has never been replicated. And I think that, well, some of it was obviously intended, but obvi- uh, on the other hand, a lot of it has to do with just the way that the film is presented the way that, uh, you watch it because the way that it was filmed, you know what I'm saying? That like jankiness and sort of like, I could almost describe it as like, sometimes it feels like stop motion because the frame rate was so different back then yeah. from what I understand about film. Right. And uh, it gives the entire thing such an otherworldly quality that you can't replicate.
0: You know, they they played this on uh, the last drive-in um not on this last season, but I think the season prior to that. And, uh, as one of those, uh, Joe Bob, uh, last dri- drive in episodes on Friday nights. And, um, it w- it was kind of cool, like having a silent movie like this playing on, on a show like that. Yeah. I mean, it,
1: it's a movie that it still holds up to this day. Um, I think that if nothing else, don't pay attention to the storyline. the 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 movie is just so incredible um there's a reason that you know it's lasted this long it's just an amazing amazing movie and i'm i'm really happy that it was able to survive because it really almost didn't which is the craziest part to me
0: yeah that's uh Really imagine if this was uh, if all the copies have been destroyed by the Stoker um, um, estate.
1: Yeah, it it was just an urban legends.
0: Now, some decades later, this movie was remade by uh, Werner Herzog in 1979 um, as Nosferatu, the vampire. Okay, which actually is um, technically not correct. Because, according to um, you know the folklore, Nosferatu actually means vampire.
1: Mm. You know, so the so, it's 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 like pizza pie.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like pizza pie, Nosferatu the vampire. You know, <laughs> so I don't think I even realized that before. <laughs> yeah, it's like saying the same thing twice, kind of. You know, but. Who's, yeah. uh, you know I'm not going to split hairs. You know, Werner Herzog's a, a he, he can do what he wants. Yeah. yeah, that guy can do whatever he wants. But in this uh, updated version from 1979, all pretenses of this not being a Dracula story have been thrown out the window because Klaus Kinski plays Count Dracula in this. Yes,
1: and also terrifying.
0: Yeah, and. You know, it's they're using um, the names from the book. We've got pretty much an all-star cast. We've got Isabella Johnny who's playing Lucy Harker, not Mina Harker, okay? You know, in the original source material, there was uh, Lucy and Mina. Mina was uh, Jonathan Harker's wife, and Lucy was her, uh, her friend who was bitten by Dracula, you know, and so there's... I guess they're kind of combining both characters in the in the Herzog version. <clears throat> we have the late Bruno Gantz as uh Jonathan Harker. And um you know, he he's just a master craftsman when it comes to acting. Uh you might remember him from uh Wings of Desire as well as his role of playing Adolf Hitler in the film Downfall. Have you seen that? I have not. Highly recommend checking out Downfall. Brooke Ant's plays a great Hitler. And uh <laughs> Wings of Desire is just a classic movie. You should check that one out. That's uh Vim vander's film. Rounding out the cast, we got Roland Toper as Renfield and uh Walter Leidengast as Van Helsing. You know, Van Helsing plays a sort of a minor role in this uh, this version of the film, you know
1: yeah i almost forget that he's here he's in the movie half the time
0: yeah yeah and um yeah this you know this is basically tells a version a an interpretation of uh of the dracula story and herzog's good like that you know i don't know if you ever caught the um his version of uh bad lieutenant <laughs> which came out about ten ten twelve 10 12 years ago no oh man i'm not gonna say it's good but it's pretty good you know what i mean (laughs) yeah it's it's not a remake of abel ferrara's masterpiece it's um it's like he saw the movie and he already had another story of mind but he wanted to filter it through some of the elements of the abel ferrara film you know yeah have you even heard about this movie no, I mean, most of my
1: knowledge of Werner Herzog is I really like, I think he's a great documentarian. Um, you know, Grizzly Man, you've seen that? Oh, yeah, brilliant. Um, he so much of his work that I've really uh watched through is type stuff.
0: If you can catch uh his version, it's called Bad Lieutenant port of call new orleans so it doesn't even take place in new york it takes place in new orleans nicholas cage totally unhinged plays the main character yeah, of course you know there's a totally different story than the abel for movie there's a couple of scenes that he reinterprets you know like where there's a scene in uh ferrara's bad lieutenant where he's hassling these uh Two young ladies from New Jersey who are having a um, you know night in New York City doing bad things, and uh, Nicholas Cage's uh, bad lieutenant character hassles this uh, a young lady and her boyfriend, you know, doing drugs in some club in my in uh, New Orleans. So yeah, that's a couple of scenes get reinterpreted, you know.
1: Mm.
0: But yeah, that that's kind of the same treatment I guess Herzog did with this version of Dracula, which he you know, named Nosferatu the Vampire.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I think that it's close enough to this serial, um, where it's, it, it doesn't feel like a total, you know, like, rework. But there's enough differences in in and Herzog's Ver- version.
0: Well, the, you know, the ending. You know, the ending is quite different. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Um,
0: I guess... We could spoil it in its
1: 1979 movie. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you know the whole the final shot riding off into the distance, almost you know like the new Dracula. I I, I love.
0: Yeah, uh, Harker becomes Dracula You know, basically, which is uh, you know, and now the uh, the version of Dracula in this one, he's like more of a romantic. You know what I mean?
1: There's definitely more of like, I guess, sensual aspect to it, um, whereas Max Shrek was just terrifying. Um, this I always wondered if the intent was to sort of really get the audience to empathize with Dracula in a way, and I I think it I think it I think that's what it was supposed to mean. I think that um almost like a human element to Kinski's depiction, whereas Max Shrek was really just you know the lurking terror.
0: Yeah, Max Shrek was definitely a beast. We we come across um you know uh, Kinski's version of Dracula and he's scary. You know, pale, he's got the fangs, bald head, you know. You get a sense of incredible loneliness with his character. You know, and and when Harker meets him, he even talks about how, you know, there's living through the centuries, there's much worse things than death, and, you know, this whole world-weary, you know, vibe to the character. Totally, and i
1: think that this is one of those movies especially that like first of all you could tell that it was made by someone that was really just made to make documentaries um because a lot of to me the most stunning shots are really like the landscape in this movie tells so much of the story um even the opening credits that set the scene of you know the catacombs or long distance shots and everything about it just Feels very big, yet lonely.
0: That this opening is- shot is kind of kind of jarring, actually. The first time you um, you see it, you know, because it's not that that's all. That's actual people. You know, those are those are real skulls and decaying bodies and things like that. Yeah, and
1: not only that, but the score by Popol Vuh. Do, yes. do you are you familiar with them besides yeah. this movie? Oh yeah, I yeah. love I love that group. But um, th- this soundtrack is also one of my favorites. I, I, I think it's awesome. And it, it, like I said, it really just sets the tone and the feel of this. Like, it, this is a movie that just gets everything right. And it, it's a movie that you almost, as, as uh, pretentious it soo- as it sounds, it's like, this is a movie that you feel. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I mean, 100%. And and in some ways, it, it follows suit from the original source, you know, because, like, the original source being a silent film is more about this, you know, this kind of sensory, well, it's an impressionistic film. And even though the remake is, you know, uh, has sound and dialogue, there it still is very, very impressionistic. Yeah.
1: Definitely. It... It, uh, it, it just feels like a work of art, which is, it's also, you know, with the soundtrack and with the visuals, it's kind of a movie that as much as you want to sit there and pay attention, by all means, everyone should. It's a good movie to just have
0: out if you need to get your mind off things. Um, well, you know, one, one of the, you know, you have, you have Clint Kinski, which commands the, the screen. And then you have uh, Ajani when, you know, Isabella Ajani, when she's in it, she's definitely this very striking, you know, lady, you know, the blue eyes and dark hair and pale skin and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. yeah. And and that's a good point too, because I can never really put my, my finger on it, but um, her character really is very important to the visual identity of the film. Whereas, you know, you think you think about the movie and or any you know any Dracula and Nosferatu remake thing, and you really only fixated on the the vampire, but uh, she's a huge part of with uh, a huge part of what makes this movie really unique and feel whole.
0: I'm going to go as far as to say that uh, Isabella Johnny is my favorite um you know even though she's not actually playing mina but she's my favorite mina mina harker actually
1: yeah well what what was the reasoning for the change in that
0: that's that's an excellent question i don't, I don't know the answer I, I mean they they just combined both characters into like one i mm. guess you know and um i mean lucy you know straight up turns into a vampire in the original in um you know she's Amina gets bitten but she's being drawn into um Dracula's world you know in the in the novel that's like he he want he's wants to make her his you know spend time with her basically you know um with this version of the story you know just going back to Kinski as Dracula the scenes in the castle like you get you get a sense of that castle being in ruins like there's there's shots of like the windows that Harker of the room that Harker's staying in where the glass is broken and there's like you know plant life and things like that. So it's it's like he's inheriting he's like inhabiting this ruin you know where everything just seems to be in dark and like cold and in disrepair. And there's no sense of like elegance or opulence or any of those things.
1: Yeah. It's very, I I think that it is very tragic on his end. It's almost like, you know, speaking about like the loneliness of the character and, um, I think that once again, the setting really helps to tell that story and to express that, and that's that's of okay. that.
0: And then when it comes to the you know to uh, to England, you know, there's there's these scenes with him like looking in the window, and he's very much this like lone loner character, just sort of wandering through the city, which is being ravaged by the plague. It it implies that the plague was arrives along with dracula
1: yeah totally i mean without a doubt
0: yeah, yeah he, and, tra- and- he travels over with these like caskets filled with dirt and when they open it up there's like rats in there and next thing you know this whole city is infested with these plague ridden rats
1: yeah and which is also another really striking scene as well um just like you know yeah. And I I don't know I really just always go back to I feel like the way that Werner Herzog filmed the whole thing to me is, is what makes this movie so special his his framing of the shot visions of what to leave in and what not it just um you know especially England as well the way that he just presents it is it, so awesome and actually another thing before I forget. What language did you watch this movie?
0: Yeah, that's a good thing. I I've recently watched it in the in the English version because there's they actually filmed this movie twice. They have a yeah. version of it all in German, and uh, you know the the Blu-ray that I have, the Shout Factory one, has both versions on it. So I watched it. Yeah, one. yeah. I wanted
1: to bring that up because uh, I think that was they literally filmed the movie twice. Fucking mental man. But that's Werner Herzog for you, I guess. There there are a lot of people that I've heard that they prefer um the German version. Um me, you know, I don't to uh, one of those things where I when I first saw the movie, I was just so awestruck by it, and it was the English version. So to me, the English version seems like the correct version. Um, But that's the same thing with like, you know, going back to the 1922 version where it's like hearing it with typo negative is the only thing that really makes sense to me.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've, I've watched both versions. It's cool with German, you know, German just is such a brutal sounding language in general, you know? And uh, yeah. Yeah. But, but, you know, the English, you know, English is, the only language i really speak so
1: (laughs) it's yeah also really like in watching both i really don't think it makes much of a difference anyone really argue that one is better than the other um but i i have heard that from a bunch of people i just don't really care
0: (laughs) so now between uh the murnau version and the herzog version which is your favorite Ah, it
1: they're so different yet similar that it's like, I would have to say that it really, first of all, depends on what I'm going for, like what my mood is. Um, If I want something that I find, you know, atmospheric, but beautiful and darkly sad, I'm gonna go with the Herzog version. If I want something that, you know, is is more just um visually striking in a different way um and also a little more on the uh i don't want to well yeah i guess i i would say that the 1922 version is scarier to me
0: yeah yeah because he's he's scarier in that version in in Herzog's version is more like this kind of emo like sad boy dracula, you know.
1: Yeah. So,
0: I mean, I don't know. I That's a really
1: tough question. I would have to say the 1922 version simply based on the amount of times that I've watched it and you know, the way that that imagery has influenced my art and, you know, music and just everything for so many years. Um, but, I mean, the Werner Herzog version is so incredible that, you know, even the fact that I could have this uh, sort of debate that I'm not sure which is better, you know, instead of saying, oh, the 1922 version, no matter what, that's so much better. You know, that that's really saying something.
0: For me personally, like, I acknowledge... The original you know as being like crucial to the horror genre but i, I gotta say man i i kind of side more with herzog's version of it you know i know that's uh, a wildly um controversial statement but that's just how i feel about it
1: no you know it it really makes sense because like i said And I I say this all the time, but a lot of, you know, movies and art and everything, it's about the way that it makes you feel or the way that you connect with it. And it's like, I just personally, I have such nostalgia for the original version that it's like nothing can take its place. But um, if I was going to show someone, if I was like, let's sit down and watch a really good movie right now, I'd be more inclined to show them Werner Herzog's version.
0: Yeah, that's a movie. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's,
1: you know, I mean, clearly, like, the technology came so much further that it's, it's, it yeah. is what it is. But I, I really think that's a value to, to per, prefer the 1979 version. 100%. I do.
0: Yeah. Actually, there's um, another interesting vampire film that just uh, surfaced on Shudder that's called Vampire, V A M P I R and um it takes place in Serbia it's about a british guy visiting out there and uh very slow moving very atmospheric um you know kind of like uh imagery driven and just has like this uh really brooding like atmosphere to it and uh if you're you know ever looking for something to check out i definitely recommend that one yeah it's that sounds pretty cool.
1: I'm always in the I'm always in the mood for a new vampire movie, because it's like I don't know. I feel like they're kind of hard to get, reason, and uh, it it shouldn't be, but it just feels like it is. There are so many good ones, but so many awful ones at the same time. Yeah, that it's like the ones that are truly great really like set the bar higher. And uh, I don't have as much tolerance for shittier vampire movies.
0: Yeah, and I, I'm always a sucker when they when they kind of combine like like folk horror with it, like this uh, this Shutter vampire movie does. You know, it's like it takes place in the old country. There's like there's like almost like a Wicker Man vibe to this other movie.
1: Oh, that's nice. But- yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Mike and I are gonna do an episode of uh, Necromaniacs on it. You said that's that's vampire like I R? Just V A M P I R. Yeah. I R. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. You know, it's like there's all there's like maybe five people on the cast, you know, and a couple of extras. It takes place in Serbia, you know, Eastern Europe. It's got that you know, just like that vibe, you know what I mean?
1: Well, yeah, I mean that that seems a lot you know closer to the source material um i'm not really a fan of i guess i guess you could just say like the modern day vampire stuff you know i really like the folklore of vampire and yeah uh when it's you know just i don't know vampires in 2023 don't really do anything for me
0: yeah definitely what what was that movie that came out in the 90s The queen of the damned like the new metal vampire movie? (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, that that's definitely uh, was not a good move. No, it was not. But you know what I think was uh, what we do in the shadow. Oh yeah, yeah. That that movie is awesome, and the TV series is good too. I like both. Yeah, I, I've never seen the TV
1: series, but I've only heard good things. I love um, in the movie.
0: Uh, what do they call him, Peter? Yeah, the yeah, yeah. The, the Nosferatu type character. He's awesome. You can tell that even you know when horror comedy is a hard thing to do, you know what I mean? And it yeah. mostly fails in my opinion. But when the filmmaker is actually a fan of the genre, it really comes through when they're they're paying like, you know, tribute to it. They're paying homage to the genre and they're not being too ironic with it, you know. Totally. And that that's what that's the case with uh, what we do in the shadows, I feel.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that. I really loved that movie so much the first time I saw it. And I wasn't sure what to make of it. Like I don't know, because I, just like you, I'm. I think that horror comedies are really hard to get right. So I was kind of skeptical at first, but I thought it was fucking hilarious, man.
0: It took me a while to see it actually for that reason, because I was I kind of dismissed it for a long time. Yeah. But yeah, there's um, yeah. There's a bunch of good stuff that's just about to be released or has just came out that I recommend as far as uh, vampire movies go.
1: What else would you say in, in like in that regard, following like the theme of like vamp, I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Right. Vamp- vampire.
0: Just vampire. Vampire. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, well, that, I'm I'm real hyped on that one. Um, yeah yeah you know, i just recently rewatched the three blade movies you know those are those are actually really cool too yeah uh blade's great yeah the, well the first two at least um i like the third one but the first two i think are like pretty solid mm-hmm. i think um
1: obviously this really doesn't have much to do with or anything to do with nasrati but uh, Let the Right One In, I think is an amazing movie as well.
0: I totally agree. Um I don't think it was necessary to remake it in English as an American film. No,
1: I I I, I saw like a little bit of that and I was like, I, I this
0: doesn't do anything for me. And the uh the novel was uh was excellent too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And then obviously you got uh
1: Salem's lot which that's a pretty uh you know clearly the character of, of barlow they were really going for that classic nosferatu look which the tv miniseries is pretty great but very very long
0: i love it man that that actually is one of them like as a young kid when i saw that movie terror that show terrified me i mean i was like disturbed by that when i was a kid oh yeah dude the window scene horrifying. always yes that's and that was shot backwards too like that film was like shot and it was reversed so all of the facial expressions were like real sketchy looking and everything
1: wow yeah i mean that, that's a very striking scene and it really stands out to me and st- i mean it stands out to like everybody that's the scene that everybody always talks about from that movie well miniseries whatever you want to call it i I just call it a movie, but I didn't even know it was a miniseries when I first watched it. I was like, damn, this is long. I was watching it on VHS. And oh, I was yeah. like, Then I found out it was like a miniseries.
0: Yeah. No, it was on television, man, which is crazy if you think about it. That was on like regular TV.
1: Well, same thing about um, with like, you know, <clears throat> the version of It
0: with Tim Curry. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was also a TV show. Yeah. Well, dude, uh, what else is going on with the uh, with the band? Really,
1: nothing much. I mean, just getting a new record out, and we're going to be announcing a tour soon, and uh, we're just going to keep plugging along and doing what we do best,
0: you know? Yeah, man, and uh, I'm looking forward to checking you guys out locally. You know, hopefully there'll be some local dates to be announced soon. Yes, I th- I think there might be something. Right on. Well, thanks for stopping in, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, Paul. Take care now. Hell yeah, man. Thanks for having me. All right, dude. Good night. Later.